Hey guys, grab your Bibles and uh, let's reopen them to uh, 1 Kings chapter 2. And um, let me read you the text again. And um, then I need to explain a couple of things. 1 Kings chapter 2. This is a, a statement of a dying father to his successor, which happens to be his son. Of course, the dying father is David. And the successor is Solomon, names that should be uh, somewhat familiar to you. First Kings chapter 2, verse 1. When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon his son, saying, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man. And keep the, chain, the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons pay close attention to their way, to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God, it endures forever. Last week, as some of you will remember, uh, was Father's Day. And um, in combination with the Lord's Supper, I had to do a couple of things, juggle a couple of balls. And so what I did in the first uh, few minutes is focus on this text. And um, I, I pointed out this stirring charge from a dying father to a son, where he turns to his father, his son, and he says, Son, show yourself to be a man. And then I, I, I posed this. I said, uh, let's imagine that we wanted to do that, that we really wanted to prove ourselves to be a man. How would we do it? What would be the things that would demonstrate to everyone that I'm a man? What would they be? What does the culture tell us that they are? And I listed several things for you. And then... Uh, in a stroke of absolute genius, <laughs> I invited you to send me your emails as to the answer to that question, and you did it. And I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, it has been thrilling all week reading what you sent. Not, not so much just the volume of them, there, and there were numerous, but the quality of them. Several of you said good things. Some of which I've tried to incorporate in what I'm about to say. It was, it was exhilarating hearing from you. In fact, um, I heard from some women as well. I didn't particularly intend that, but I didn't prohibit that as, but I mean, the women had some thoughts as well. And, and there were some good ones. I read every last word of everything that you sent and enjoyed every minute of, minute of it. Um, so way to go. Way to go. I was, um, I was encouraged by some of your thoughts and very, some of you can even write well. Some of you have a, are, are wordsmiths. Uh, you know, you ought to pursue that. Um, now I bet that, uh, there are those of you who are here who are a little bit reluctant about what's going to happen from here on in because you're thinking that you're about to experience about 35 minutes of being bashed because as you know, male bashing is quite, um, fashionable these days. But um, I'm not going to do that. First of all, who am I to bash you? I'm, I'm, I'm having the same struggles and facing the same struggles that you're facing. Um, but this is going to be more like a, um, 
a Phil Jackson um, pregame Laker talk. You know, gay guys, we just got beat by 39 last night, <laughs> and we got to do better. We um, we got to shoot better and rebound better and play better defense. But other than that, we're going to be fine. Um, but uh, we can go out there and we can win this. So let's uh, let's do better and go win. That's the kind of thing that I that I I, I want to do with you this morning. So relax. Um, the last thing in the world that I want to try and do is scold. Uh, I, I've kind of, um, I, I'm sure in the early years of my ministry, I, but I, never, never should this ever, never should I, because I'm, never should I scold anyone. Um, I, I struggle with the same things you do. But, so, uh, so relax. This is not going to be male bashing, at least I, uh, I hope. Now, Got your Bibles open. Take a look at the text with me again. Let me just point out a couple of things about it, and then we'll we'll jump in. Um, as I said in verse two, you get this stirring, this stirring um, a charge from a dying father to his son, 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 son. Show yourself a man. And then last week I, I said this. I said, what do you think David had in mind? Well, I wonder if you noticed this, but David really tells you what he does. He are, he's the one that tells you what he has in mind. And it's found in verse 3. That is, when David is saying to his son, I want you to demonstrate yourself to be a man, he, he has an idea. There's some content behind that, that wonderful image. In the mind of King David, he understood what, what he thought would demonstrate one to be a man. And he says it in verse 3. He says, um, keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes and his commandments, his rules and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you go. So what I did this week is I tried to look at that text, verse 3, and I tried to find some way to put it, to encapsulate it, to, to summarize it in a word. What was the word that, that, that I thought was, was a summation of what this father had in mind for his son? What, what is it that, that, that says it all about that verse three? And I came up with the word and I, and I'm, I'm sure that there are other good ones as well as mine, but this is what I think this father had in mind when he wanted to tell his son to be a man. He was telling him, and here's my word, that he wanted him to be a worshiper. Oh, Dr. Young, I knew you were going to do that. I knew you were going to do something really super spiritual and say something that didn't... But the problem is I'm not super spiritual. I'm just an average Joe trying to hack it, and I need something far more digestible than than he's a worshiper. I knew you were going to do it. Here I am. I'm kind of interested in what you got to say, and you come up with this be a worshiper business. You got to do better than that. Okay, I will. Um, so stay with me. Don't 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 uh, don't shut down just yet. Wait. Because there's some things that I think are the inevitable results of being a worshiper. Things that you could tease out of that word. And that's what I want to do. i got four of them. 
Four things that I want to tease out of this, this, this admonition on the part of a dying father to his son to be a worshiper. Four things that I think are the inevitable results of being a worshiper. Here's the first one. An inevitable result of being a worshiper is that I find myself growing in a love of and a demonstration of humility. Guys, tell me, how much of the mess that we've gotten ourselves into in the past has come about because of our egomania? How many jobs have gone south because we've got too high a view of ourselves? Tell me, how much of our marital discord comes as a result of my thinking too highly of myself? Huh? You know, um, somebody defined humility like this. They said that humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. And so what I really need is something that would decentralize me. Something that would take me out of the center of my existence. What is it that will decentralize me? It's worship. Um, What is it that would reduce my own sense of importance in my own eyes? Worship. Let, 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 Let me make this as simple as I can make it. How many times, guys, how many of us have heard from our wives something like this? You are the most selfish person I've ever met. How many of us have heard something like that? Then, gentlemen, tell me this. How are we going to succeed in removing ourselves from the center of our existence so that that won't be said? Well... I'm saying that the only thing that will give you another, a a different functional center, a different definitional center to your existence is worship. That is, God takes over the spot that I have had myself in for so long. Gentlemen, if humility is thinking, not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less, what is going to accomplish that? So we say we would like to be more humble, which would solve a lot of our problems. I think you'd agree. How is that going to be accomplished? How are we going to get a different definitional center to our existence? I want to suggest to you it's worship. We become a worshiper. Here's the second thing that that I think that um, being a worshiper would accomplish. It would um, it would help us in our our ongoing battle against our own idols. It would help us to slay our own idols. 
Now, guys, in, in my opinion, the single greatest mistake that we have made as men is that we have looked to things or to people to give us our sense of identity and our sense of worth. Do you get that? In my opinion, the single greatest mistake that we have made is that we have sought to get meaning and identity and worth from things or people. Now tell me, how's that working out for you? Um, made enough money yet? Um, did you get that corner office? Uh, are you, um, you driving the right car? Just as a little, somewhat of an aside, guys, <laughs> advertisers, merchandisers absolutely abuse us because they are experts at feeding our idols. Um, has any of that filled that vacuum that's inside? Hmm? You know, I know I'm about to date myself, but, you know, the Rolling Stones aren't the only ones that can't get no satisfaction. Um, I would go so far as to say, as to submit to you, that... Most affairs, that is, extramarital, adulterous affairs, are begun not because people are some kind of sexual deviants. They're begun because people are empty. They're bored. They're looking for something novel. Because <laughs> that uh, that new car and that corner office, you know, it didn't make me as happy as I hoped it would. Brothers, our souls are too big to be filled by things. It's it's only God that can fill that 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 space. And I say to you, any time your identity is based on things that can be taken from you, you're going to live on the raw edge of insecurity in all that you do. If my sense of worth, my sense of meaning and value are based upon things that can be taken from me, I am going to live as an insecure male. You see, a secure man is one who who knows he, he knows he knows who's on first. He he knows where the credit really lies or who deserves the credit. And and he knows to whom he belongs. Guys, if we know and I think we know this, that when a woman says she wants a secure man or she wants a strong man, we know that she doesn't mean anything to do with the size of biceps. We know that. Then what does she mean? She's talking about a strength of character that is earmarked by security. 
That is, this man knows who he is and he knows the direction which we ought to head. Well, where did he find that? Oh, he he picked it up in his worship. He found out the direction that he ought to go because the God that he worshipped told him. Guys, I'm saying that a worshiper begins to see how empty are his pursuits and begins to slay his idols. Now, let me say this. That may mean that this is going to take, uh, going to require a, um, an alteration in the schedules. <laughs> Boy, that's an understatement. Dads, um, has uh, a frenetic summertime schedule of kids' activities, has that made your kids more substantial people or less substantial people? Oh, but Jimmy, my, my son's batting average is way up. Well, that's not what I asked. Tell me, do you think that bat, batting average is going to make him a better husband? A better father? A better employee? Has this child idolatry treadmill, has it produced what you had hoped? No, I didn't think it did either. Guys, I'm simply saying that the only corrective to that, to that idolatrous treadmill, to that frenetic schedule of trying to win the award of best dad or whatever, The only thing that will correct that is to become a worshiper, both corporately and privately. You know, I've said this before, but I I don't think you're listening to me. I really don't. I don't think anybody's listening. Um, But maybe you'll hear it this time. We vastly underestimate the, the ability, um, of community in character transformation. What what I'm saying is, you need corporate worship more than you think you do. Birds of a feather do flock together. So, um, which flock do you find yourself most frequently flying in? And, And, oh, by the way, Who is it that sets the direction for your home spiritually? All I'm suggesting, brothers, is that the way that we alter those or the way that we attack those idols that have left us empty is by becoming a worshiper, both privately and corporately. Here's the third thing that I think teases out of that word of being a worshiper. Um, those folks are, are more enabled to live sacrificial lives. Um, hey guys, um, do you want to be a better lover? Your, your wives sure want that from you. But they don't mean, and neither do I, what you thought of when I, orig- when I first said the word lover. Because I know what you were thinking. 
What is love if it isn't sacrifice? What woman doesn't want to be intimate with a man that she has watched make selfless choices and sacrificial decisions for her? How did God show us that he loved us? Well, he gave. That's what lovers do. Folks, have you ever heard this maxim? Um, it, it's, I hope you get it, but it's not that hard. It's, it's hurt people hurt people. Do you get that? Hurt people hurt people. Well, I've got another one one for you. I just made it up. Actually, I made it up this week, but it goes like this. Loved people love people. Loved people love people. Brothers, uh, you want your wife to love you? Then love her first. That's what Jesus did with his bride. You see, worshipers know that they're loved. How? How how, how do they know that they're loved? Oh, through their worship. And because they sense that they are loved by clear promises of God, they are then able to initiate love. All as a result... Of their worship. Now, guys, I, I must tell you that brings me to my one of my all-time favorite subjects of one of my all-time favorite subjects, <laughs> and it's this: um, that worshipers um, have come to realize. That our role is to be an initiator. Um, You know, that was one of the things that you said the most often in your emails. And you said it in various kinds of ways. But a, a worshiper knows that he is to be an initiator now, I wish I could tell you that it's right there in verse 3, right there in the text. And, and, and if I were to bend that text hard enough, I probably could squeeze it out of there. But there is one place in the Scriptures where I think this concept emerges rather clearly. And it's one that's very familiar and you know about it. It's in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, where the, where the whole institution of marriage begins. That is, the words of institution of marriage are found in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. And most of you know what those say. They say this. A man... A man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife. Again... There's a whole lot of room for dis- I mean, not dis- but for misunderstanding in here, and I and I, I I acknowledge that. But this, hear me when I say this glorious union that exists between a man and a woman that we call marriage, it is begun when a man makes a decision to go in a certain direction with a woman 
away from what he has known heretofore. Leaving behind all that he's known in the past as he creates something altogether beautiful, altogether different, altogether new. That's why in my wedding services, one of my favorite times is when I write the last one, I say, may I be the first to introduce to you a new home, a new relationship, a new institution, a brand new marriage, Mr. and Mrs. Now, I, please, ladies, don't. I know there's consent involved on the part of women. I, I'm, but I'm trying to point out that in that text, the burden of the decision is placed not on you. It's placed on a man who begins to initiate that decision and, and, and heads in a direction. Now, ladies, you can squawk about that all you want. But I am convinced that down deep you long for it. And when it is done rightly, you respond so well to male leadership. Now, I know that it can be misheard by men. I know that it can be mishandled and abused by men. I I readily acknowledge that possibility. That's why it's so important that you gentlemen, that we gentlemen become worshipers. Because God begins to tell us how that initiation is to be done. Now, gentlemen, that leaves the ball in your court. Where are the men who proactively move out toward a woman, not waiting on the woman to call me? Gentlemen, you know why you hesitate making that phone call, don't you? You do know why you, it, it's so hard. It's the fear of rejection. Because my whole sense of worth, my whole sense of value is on the line. And so we've become a whole lot better at text messaging than we are at communication. You know what will fix that? Becoming a worshiper. Where's courage? About about the only thing that men will take a stand on these days is their favorite sports team. Brothers, we're cowards in in a lot of ways. You know what will fix that? Becoming a worshiper. Why is admitting my mistakes and my weaknesses so hard for me? Why is granting or seeking forgiveness so rare among us? Why is assuming responsibility or making commitments, why is that so hard for us? We'd rather play video games. You know who fix that? Becoming a worshiper. And the glorious news that I've got for you this morning, my brothers in Christ, is that the object of our worship is altogether lovely. And the more we become ravished with the sense of the beauty of God and His Word, that changes us. Folks, 
the gospel is called the gospel for a reason. It's good news. <laughs> it's the evangel. It's the original evangel. It's the good news about an offended holy God finding a way to provide redemption and release and forgiveness for people who didn't deserve it. The gospel is a declaration about the righteousness of God as seen in the person and the work of Jesus Christ as he gives himself in the place of his people. That's what we're called to worship. Or that's who we're called to worship. And that's beautiful. And the more you discover its beauty, the more it will change us into something that qualifies as being a man. And one other thing, and I'm done. I want you to do something with me. All, all the guys, none of the women, just the guys. I want you to cup your hands. Come on, it's not going to hurt. Just, it's, uh, this, it won't hurt you. I mean, uh, be a good sport. Just, just cup your hands, just like that. You got them cupped? I want to. I want to drop a few things in there. Okay. Here's the first thing that I'd like to drop into your hands. The future of your family and the future of your marriage. Put it right in there. Right in there. Here's another one. I want to drop in. future of this church. It's in there. Right in there. One more thing. I want to drop in the future of the church of Jesus Christ worldwide. It's right in there. Oh, Jimmy, here you go again. You're just being Theatric. Well, let me say this. You may be right, but Hudson Taylor doesn't agree with you. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to China, in his book called Hudson Taylor's Spiritual Secrets, he said this. He said, men are God's methods. While the church is looking for better methods, God is looking for better men. It's right in there. Heavenly Father, uh, we want to win this one. We, um, every male in this room, we want to win it. And forgive us that we have listened. We've, we've been drinking at the wrong wells. And uh, we've let everybody but you and through your word tell us what men look like. So, Father, would you restore our confidence in how you made us, what you've made us for, and what you've called us to and then would you fill this church with a group of men 
who are captured by the beauty of Jesus Christ. Father, if you've led people here this morning who have not yet met Christ, I pray that something will have been said or done that will um, evoke a certain interest and a, a series of questions that will land them in a yielded and submitted place to Jesus Christ. We pray, of course, in his name.